Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. Welcome to the program, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes filling in for Seren Curtis. No Adam either. Is it still the program without those three guys? I'm filling for in for part. them. We'll just call it the home stretch. Let's, let's call my name. We'll do that. I'm kidding. It's still the program. Covell's back there right now doing a hockey change in just a moment as Kyle will be filling in behind the glass. A lot of fun, a lot of stuff to talk about today. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest joining us uh, at 2.15. Daniel Harms of RGR Football joining us at 3. Matt Verderam of Sports Illustrated joining us at 4 for some national NFL talk. I did an interview with Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, it was a great time talking down, sitting down with him. So we'll be playing that interview that I recorded at 4.30. Max Reaper of Royals Review. We'll be talking some Royals baseball with us at 5 after the Royals game ends. And then Cameron Black will join us at 5.30. Jam-packed show. You know why? A few short sleeps away from the Chiefs raising a banner in the opening night of NFL football. A few short sleeps away. I can't wait. Um, Before we go into a ton of Chiefs and NFL talk, I just have to say, I was in Louisville on a golf trip. There were 14 of us guys in a house, and we were 100 yards away. One football field away, and that's being generous. It may have been a 40-yard dash away. After a couple of, uh, of, of ice-cold Coronas, it may have only been a couple of uh, 40-yard dash away. And when I say this place was a hole in the wall, there was a legitimate hole in the wall. You could see from the outside of the bar in. No one thought to fix that because, you know, I don't think there was AC in there to begin with, so I think you were good. This is a legit dive bar, and I'm setting the stage here because I walked in. I see there's a pool table. Kyle, let me ask you, what do you think the, the guy's name of the dude playing pool who asked me to play with him was? I'll be cheating because I saw your tweet. You saw it. It's Gator. The dude's name that asked me to play pool with him was Gator. Now, I asked... Is that short for something? Is that a biblical name? He told me Gator is short for instigator. At that exact moment, I knew if I play pool against this man, or I guess reptile, I'm getting hustled. There's no chance a dude named Gator is not an absolute shark playing pool. I acquiesced and said, I'll play one game. Because he goes, the first game's free. First game's on me. I know how this goes. I, I know how hustlers work, okay? First game on me. I go, all right. I'll get a, a free game pool. A play pool. Started off strong. Felt pretty good. He still, he still won. Okay? I held my own, but he, he, he still won. He starts throwing some money down on the table. I say, I'm out. One of my friends will play you. <laughs> I'm not losing money. I'm a frugal guy. Okay, I'm not losing money to some dude named Gator at a dive bar in Louisville. Someone else can do that. So you throw your friend under the bus. Well, they saw him play. They okay. know they know what they're getting into. Okay. They got their ass kicked. Gator, Gator, believe it or not, yeah, he uh, he was pretty good at pool. So then he came up with a new game where everyone can play. You get three balls. You have to score the three balls in as fewest amount of shots as possible. They're all lined up in one, like a mini break, okay? Now this was something I could get behind. Everyone throws a dollar in. 
So you're playing for like nine, nine bucks, six bucks, whatever it was. I played the first game. I won the first game. Now, as a smart man I am, who knows and watches movies about hustlers, what do I do? Call it quits. I leave with my seven dollars. Very smart. I'm not. I'm not throwing more money. I know how this works. He loses the first game on purpose. First game's a dollar entry. How much do you think the second game's going to cost? Five. five. Yep, it's going to cost it five. There it is. See, I know this game. Gator, you ain't going to get me. Okay, Gator's not going to get me. I walk out there. I kept. You know, it's like a real alligator. I don't know the real laws about this, so please don't try this at home. Please don't try this. I. I am not a reptile aficionado over here, but I, I've been told that if you hold them close, they don't have the strength to open it. They have the strength going down with those jaws. Yeah. So basically, I just duct taped that mouth and I left. I got that seven bucks and left. Very smart. And I did my 40-yard dash home. <laughs> you know what's funny, Sterling? You kind of look like a guy who would name himself Gator. No, no, no. Come on. Don't you dare. <laughs> with that stash? Come on. With the stash? The stash is strong, yeah. He did have one of those uh, a long, really nice guy, by the way. Uh, he was a nice dude, nice dude, Gator. But he had one of those those long beards with the the beads in it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't mess with those guys. You don't mess with those guys. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, they got that that guy rode a motorcycle. I'm not doing a Pee Wee Herman and knocking that that motorcycle over. Okay, that ain't gonna happen. I'm gonna be very ca- just very careful. Tread lightly. So that was how my golf trip went. And for the three people that care, yes. Yeah, I won. All right, now on to real sports. Okay, real sports happening now. This came out today, and I think it's pretty interesting. A lot of us here in Chiefs Kingdom have been wondering why the Chiefs did not bring back Juju Smith-Schuster. Originally, we saw the, well, obviously now, it makes sense. All of the youth pieces look incredible. The Chiefs are keeping seven wide receivers in hell. A lot wanted to keep eight because they wanted to keep Amir Smith-Marset. But with the loss of Juju Smith-Schuster early on, there was some people who were questioning, why wouldn't you give Juju the three-year up to $33 million contract that he received from the Patriots? Seemed fairly under market value, even with the wide receiver market taking a pretty large nosedive compared to last year, right? I was left wondering, up to... Felt like that up to was doing a little bit of the heavy lifting in that Juju contract as well. I was a little confused, confounded, and my original thought process went to, well, there must be more about Juju's injury. There must be more about his knee that the Chiefs probably know that we, the general public and the media, do not. Well, Albert Breer, very respected reporter, came out today and said he was talking about this Patriots roster makeover and brought up the hidden storyline behind the scenes saying the wide receiver position in the depth chart is a little interesting in New England. And he said a big part was he's not buying into the fact that Juju Smith-Schuster is healthy. He said Juju Smith-Schuster's knee is a mess. And that thing could explode at any point. So you almost have to keep an extra receiver because of that. When I hear that, my first thought is, that is why the Chiefs did not bring Juju Smith-Schuster back. That is why. If you can't count on him, and he's your veteran, the Chiefs have enough unknowns, right? The Chiefs have already had enough unknowns at that point. I think now we have a better feel for this Chiefs wide receiver core. I, for one, think it's a very strong aspect of this team. But if they knew that about Juju Smith-Schuster's knee... Throwing an unknown injury aspect of him alongside Kadarius Tony, who was already here, alongside is Sky Moore going to take that next uh, that next step? It wasn't worth it for them. It didn't make sense for the Chiefs to bring back another unknown, veteran or not. They knew his medicals better than we do. That is what I believe, personally. In my heart of hearts, that's, that is what happened. That is why we are just now finding out why the Chiefs would not go higher on that Juju contract. Juju Smith-Schuster responded with, I don't think my knee's a ticking time bomb, a t- ticking time bomb which of course he's going to say that. If anything, it's something that's getting stronger every day. So, 
Take it as you will. He didn't say it's not a problem. It's getting stronger. Yeah. He didn't say it's 100%. didn't say all good. It's getting stronger. So I think we're starting to find out more and more the way the Chiefs went. Juju Smith-Schuster, while being a veteran on paper, quite frankly, I don't know if you remember this, of all the free agent wide receivers, last year he actually had the most yards receiving with 933. Kind of crazy, right? It was, it was a down wide receiver market, don't get me wrong. At least free agent class. But we are now starting to see why the Chiefs did not bring Juju Smith-Schuster back. All right, before we talk a lot of NFL with Matt Derrick, Daniel Harms, Matt Verderam, Emmett Smith... Talk a little college football. A little college football. The local schools won. Congratulations, Mizzou. Wasn't pretty. I don't think Sam, Sam Horn got a fair shot. I think Eli Drinkwitz's comments post were a little demeaning. Quite frankly, it seemed uncouth. Yeah, I'll say it. Seemed uncouth to me. I get you're frustrated with the questions, But it's still a fair question. You saw the arm strength jump off with Sam Horn. You saw the mobility. You saw the upside. If you're going to be the head coach of an SEC program, you will get those questions. When you've won, what, six games perpetually, basically, with your time there at Mizzou. I don't care about the the recruits. I don't care about all the five stars. You think Gary Pinkle got all five stars? No! But you know why no one cared? They won ball games. If you win ball games, that is what matters. So until Eli does that, he will consistently get questions about the quarterback. And this is coming from me, a Mizzou alum. KU won their game. It's nice to see. I will also point out, do you see those those black jerseys that released that the, the Jayhawks are, are, are throwing out there? Those are fire. Congratulations, they did a good job with those. So cool. And then K-State put a beat down yesterday. I watched the first, I don't know, three quarters because my fiancé went to K-State. That's all I had in me. I had three quarters, I can only watch K-State beat down a team so much. They're damn good. They're a really good team. Colorado with Deion Sanders getting their first win over TCU. I think TCU's not as good as people thought. When you lose that many people, you're going to take a step back. Deion Sanders, I'm 50-50 on how to feel. I'm rooting for Deion Sanders. I grew up liking Deion Sanders. He's fun. He's out there. He's different. It's enjoyable to watch. But I also don't like him calling out the media members saying, are you ble-? It's one game. Yeah, first for, game. It's first game. one game. Were, were people going to all of a sudden say, hey, he's switching out, was it 53 different guys? Are they supposed to say, oh yeah, Colorado's great now? Like, Dion, what did you think? Everyone's going to say that Colorado's winning the Natty? Are you a believer now? I don't know. It was one game. Right, right. Maybe. I might be. I feel like that's something he should say, you know, after the bowl game win. Yes. I. I and by the way, Media members, their job is not to be a fan. Their job is to to provide reporting. I'm a Mizzou fan, a Mizzou alum. I love Mizzou. But if I just sat here and said everything they did was great, you know how boring that would be? I'm a Chiefs fan. If I only talked about the positives of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know how boring a show that would be? you got to dive in, have some analysis, have some gumption, have some thoughts. The job of the media is not to just say, yeah, Colorado's great. The job is to have some sort of, well, let's have some skepticism. I like Deion Sanders. I'm rooting for him. I just thought that was a bad look. LSU is not as good as we thought they were. Either that or FSU is incredible. But LSU shot themselves in the foot time and time again. They were brutal in the red zone. Penalties. Muffed punts. Eight versus five. Great on paper. Let me tell you, that sure looked like the first week of college football. Doesn't matter. Football's back. Thursday, Chiefs-Lions. 
We're going to talk all about it up next with Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. The program right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks, Kyle, for the fight song. Appreciate it. I need that. I need that on a day like today. Welcome back to the program, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes filling in, joined now by Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Matt, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm talking to a fellow worker who is having to work on Labor Day. I'm just appreciative that somebody is willing to put in the hours like I am, Sterling. Hey, we're hard workers. We don't slack off, okay? This is what we do. We we, right. we, we love this. We, we live for the grind. We do, and, uh, and I, I live for the heat. I mean, I'm, I'm actually walking out to my car right now so I can sit in, the, in my car air conditioning while talking to you. Uh, air conditioned studio. <laughs> <laughs> rough it a little bit, Sterling. Yeah, it's it's a a nice balmy seventy seven in here because I like it hot. Okay, I'm a psycho. I don't pay for AC in the building. You know this. I don't pay for any of the any of the AC or heat. I still keep it on seventy seven. I like to be nice and toasty. The, you are. Um, how shall I put this? You're insane, but that's okay. I, lo- I still love you anyway, man. Uh. <laughs> Let's talk about the 53, man. I've not talked to you since the roster cutdowns have happened. Were there any major surprises to you on who made or who missed the 53-man roster? I mean, I don't think any major surprises. Everything was a little bit of a borderline call because um, I think you could have made a case either way in a lot of them. I mean, the biggest surprise to me was probably the Chiefs keeping six linebackers. Um, not that Cam Jones wasn't you know, an impressive player and didn't make a case. He absolutely did. It was just, it came down to a decision for Brett Beach and his staff of, you know, is that a guy that can clear waivers? And maybe some other guys, you know, would clear waivers. And they made the calculation that he would not, so they, they protected him and rostered him so they wouldn't lose him because they've been really impressed with him. Thought he put some good tape on during training camp. Um, but every other move, I mean, you know, going with two quarterbacks instead of three. Mild surprise, but nothing major. Um, even some of the other moves, like letting go of a, a Deion Bush, I mean, just safety. That's not a, a huge surprise, but just like a mild one. And like I said, I mean, a lot of these were just borderline decisions, really based on who you thought could get through waivers. And and for the most part, um, you know, except for one, I mean, the Chiefs managed to get everybody they wanted through through waivers and sneak them onto the practice squad. With Shane Bouchelle, this was the bigger surprise to me, and I tried to let people know it could happen, even though I personally thought it was unlikely. Everyone kept bringing up the three-quarterback rule, the new rule where you can have three quarterbacks active on game day, and they basically only count as two, right? It's the Christian McCaffrey, San Francisco 49ers rule. But the three quarterbacks still count against your 53, not against your active game day roster. So... I was still a little shocked they didn't keep three on the or on the fifty-three man. Shane Bouchel to me showed a lot of upside, a lot of promise. They obviously valued him. They kept him last year when the Cardinals had a chance to bring him. What do they do? They put him on the fifty-three. He had a decent, you know, preseason. As much as I like Blaine Gabbard, and I personally like Blaine Gabbard as the backup, I was still a little surprised that Shane Bouchel was not brought back. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't a huge surprise the way that it came down because, you know, what, the first decision was who's going to be your backup quarterback. And and to me, I, I thought it was pretty clear all through training camp that it was going to be Blaine Gabbard. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the Chiefs gave Shane Bouchelle a chance in really the last eight days of, of training camp and the preseason games to prove to them that he was ready to you know be the number two guy and deserve the spot on the 53. And he did really well, obviously, against the Cardinals. But then again, all the Chiefs quarterbacks, for the most part, had a really good day against the Cardinals. Um, but then, you know, preparing him, mean, he was given basically the reps to be the number two guy against the Arizona or against the Cleveland and got all the prep that week and goes in and didn't have a great performance. Then Blaine Gabbard and Chris Oldokin both come in behind him and did really well. So, I mean, that, that kind of left the Chiefs in the position of, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do with this third quarterback? Is it going to be somebody that we're going to keep on the 53 or not? And when they basically when they decided to, you know, leave Shambush off the 53, they were basically at that point saying, we're okay if he leaves. And it was okay if he, he went well, by a waiver claim or, as this happened, he only ends up in Buffalo. Um, now, they would have re-signed him, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they would have brought him back. 
But, you know, Shane was looking for another opportunity. There might have been more money in Buffalo. But, you know, I, I think it's absolutely understandable why he left at the same time, too. If he, if he hadn't, you know, won number two job and it was clear he was going to be number three and be on the practice squad, he wants to go somewhere else where he thinks he has a better chance to mature and develop. That's his prerogative. So, but at the same time, and this is, you know, the point of the story I'm, I'm working on right now that will be up on Chiefs Digest later today, uh, Chris Oladokun has, has shown the Chiefs that he's ready for the next step, that he's ready to be that number three guy. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, too. Matt Derrick joining us right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. You also have this up there on Chiefs Digest. It's from Andy Reid. He says, right now, Tony's good to go. He's moving around pretty good. Uh, then goes on to say, we'll take it day by day. But right now, I would tell you they're good to go in regards to Kadarius Tony and Legereus Sneed. How big is this for Kansas City? More specifically, I think Legereus Sneed than Kadarius Tony. But in general, what is your comfort level, your, your comfort level, your concern level, and where they will be at week one on Thursday against the Detroit Lions? Well, I think it's significant for both those guys. And honestly, I mean, I, I think Legarius needs a bigger deal than, than Kadarius Tony. Um, as electric as Tony is, you know, even right now, I think that with him coming back, he's probably only going to be in specific packages. Maybe he starts, but I, I'm not convinced that he's going to play the majority of the snaps. Um, based on what I've seen in practice, at least in the limited portion of practice over in the media, I would expect that he's just going to have a handful of packages that he's in there for. So, you know, if, if, if Snead starts, more than likely he's going to play most of the game. And you look at that depth chart at the cornerback position, I mean, they need him. They need LeJarius Snead. They need him to be healthy. Um, the only question for me was going to be if he's, he's really got enough reps after not practicing for more than a month to be able to go out there and play at the level that he usually does. I mean, maybe they will give him a little bit of a break and uh, maybe kind of play him in a nickel-type position, but he still comes in on the outside where he's, he's more comfortable and a little bit easier place to play for him. Um, we'll see, but I, I think that's a bigger deal, especially just as where the Chiefs are. They've had some injuries at that, that position at cornerback. They've got some inexperienced guys behind you know him and Trent McDuffie. So I, that, I think, is a bigger deal. Tony... Uh, you know that receiver group is as deep as it is. I think that they can they can live without Kadarius Tony as a full time starter for a week or two while they work him back in. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the defense as a whole, without Chris Jones, what does it look like? Because at this point, even if Chris Jones and the Chiefs get something done, I would be hard pressed to believe we will see Chris Jones. So, where do you land on this Chiefs defense? What do they look like week one on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, to me, really, it's the question of how the length of the rotation inside looks because uh, it's pretty clear Derek Dottie and Tershawn Warden are going to be the starters in the base defense, and it's the Chiefs, so they're probably not going to play a lot of base defense, especially against the Lions, who are going to expect to throw the football a lot. And in that case, you know, who will you see in there? Are the Chiefs going to put a bunch of edge rushers out there, which – we have seen them do. I mean, we've seen them you know, bring some guys like Malik Herring and put them inside so that they just have a bunch of guys who can go after the passer. That's a distinct possibility. I mean, they, they've added Neil Farrell, who was back at practice you know, today, um, wasn't out there yesterday. But, you know, obviously he's brand new to the system, brand new to what they're doing. I mean, they're only going to be putting him out there probably in specific run situations, which begs the question about how much he would play against the Lions. Um, you know, they, but then, and then they've got some young guys. I mean, Keandre Coburn is a young guy without a ton of experience and hasn't really gotten a lot of first team reps. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if they are going to bring up somebody from the practice squad, like a Matt Dickerson or, uh, you know, a Danny Shelton. I think Dickerson would be more likely than Shelton if they needed some depth for this game. Um, but you know, I, you, once again, I mean, you figure that they're going to be in some sub packages a lot and maybe they will bring in some pairing. Maybe they'll kick some edge rushers inside quite a bit just to be able to have that to get after the quarterback and get on the field. And Joe Colin, you know, his philosophy is to try to get up field fast. Well, how do you do that? Maybe it's put a bunch of, of fast pass rushers out there, even if they're not, you know, big guys on the interior. Uh, they can go a couple of different ways. I mean, we will see, but I think you're going to have to see some creativity out of that defense and you know just and it can't be just the front four getting pressure on on, on the quarterback you they're, want, they're gonna need some help you, you want some creativity matt 
How about Leah Chennault? When he was drafted, I thought they might use him occasionally to get after the quarterback. We didn't see it a ton last year, but now that Chiefs almost need someone who can get after the quarterback with just the injuries and the holdout of Chris Jones with the six-game suspension of Charles Amenehu, what does Turk Wharton's knees really look like? Uh, Leo Chennault could be someone they could use in these design blitzes. Do you think we will see some of that, especially the first six weeks of the season without Charles, or is that still more of a pipe dream? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see it. It's you know, to me, it's a, a question of how much we'll see it during the first four weeks of the season. I mean, you know, Steve Spagnuolo pretty much told us, as I said, that you know they're going to be figuring out during the first quarter of the season what they have on the defensive line, and, and they're still trying to figure out what their best you know four maybe guys out there are. So in one sense, you know, you do want to test some ideas, you do want to test some rotations, you need to get those guys on the field. But at the other point, you you also need to get some production. And I don't think there's any doubt. Based on what we saw during the preseason, this pass rush right now is going to be its most productive when it's bringing blitzers. And and unfortunately, what they've done is they found out that they have a lot of guys who can blitz. It's not just LeJarrius Sneed and maybe Justin Reed. Um, You throw in Chenault. You know, know, Willie Gay has got some potential. Chamari Connor and Drew Tranquil look really good on blitz packages in the preseason. So, they can bring a blitz from any direction, and that's that's one hallmark of a Steve Spagnuolo defense is the willingness of, to bring anybody at the quarterback, to disguise things, and make sure you just don't know where the pressure's going. And, and they got a lot of guys that can do that. And I'm I'm with you. I mean, Leo Chanel is kind of a, a wide nine position outside the tackle. I really kind of want to see what he could do. I mean, and if, even if it's just a bluff, you know, get him out there and drop him back. I mean, and, and then you know, you're not expecting it, bring him with the blitz. I kind of want to see that because I think he could do that. It's it's a little bit new for him, but uh, we saw it a little bit during training camp, and I want to see more of it. Speaking of new, FAU, I want to talk on him just a little bit here. Last year when the Chiefs drafted George Karloftis, the Chiefs needed him to start pretty much right away. When they drafted FAU, the original thought process was, all right, well, he'll probably be behind Charles. Obviously, we thought Chris Jones was going to be here. He might not have a massive role early on. Well, now it almost looks like he will be thrust into a pretty major role early on. What are expectations for him? Karloftis obviously started off last year. He got the pressures, but the actual counting stats didn't come until about halfway through the year. That seems to be fairly typical with a lot of edge rushers in the NFL, even edge rushers drafted in the first round. You look around, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson really didn't break out until the second half of the year. I know we had a great week one, but realistically it was the second half. What do you expect from FAU early on? Yeah, I think it's important to have realistic expectations for, for Felix, especially considering everything. And you know, One consideration is that um, he was hurt during OTA, so he didn't get a lot of work there, and they kind of worked him in slowly a little bit during training camp. And you know, and, and what they like to do is they do like to bury these rookies, especially the big draft picks. They like to give them everything, and so that then the theory is that if they learn to swim, then once they figure that out, it's, everything's going to be so much easier for them. Rather than just spoon feeding them, give them everything at once, see how they handle it, see you know what they pick up, and then when you get to the regular season, and you no longer have to know everything, and that you know, and they're just giving you a, like as, as I think Spags has said it before, gives you a couple of chapters for each game, rather than the whole you know defensive scheme, then it becomes a little bit easier. That's I, I think you got to take that into consideration. And there's another thing too with Felix, which is that I view him more of a developmental player than I think a lot of other people do. And a big reason for that is, you know, just his body type and his his history. I mean, it was only three years ago that this kid was a you know a skinny little beanpole. He wasn't the, the the guy he is right now. He's still growing into that position, and he's only 21 years old. Um, there's the, the upside with Felix is huge, but it's going to take some time to tap into that potential. And, and so that's why I, I, I mean, a, a, an arc like that Karloftis had last year would be great. I mean, if, if he's able to just kind of learn things and pick things up in the first half of the season and then is starting to be productive when it comes to those counting stats, the counting stats in the second half, I, I think that'd be ecstatic. I mean, I still think that the more likely outcome is that that kicks in in year two for Felix, but they are going to have to get him on the field. I mean, there's no doubt. You're right. I mean, they're going to have to get him on the field a little bit faster than maybe they would like to. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he's going to be a rotational piece. 
you know, Karloftis and Mike Dana are going to be the starters in front of him, and barring any injuries, they're going to try and protect him a little bit. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest joining us right here on the program, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Two days after saying he wouldn't criticize Chris Jones, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, uh, as you mentioned on ChiefsDigest.com, said he took a little less diplomatic tone on Sunday uh, asking if the holdout could play Thursday night football or if he could play Thursday night against the Detroit Lions. Andy Reid said, I can't tell you that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his agenda is or when he's coming or not coming. But we're rolling right now. I haven't put much thought into that. What do you make of this entire Chris Jones saga and I guess the strain it's almost putting on Andy Reid? Well, I, I don't know if a strain is really what it's doing to Andy Reid because I think, you know, Reid pretty much deals with everything, you know, in, in a pretty calm and cool fashion. But there's no doubt. I mean, you know, Andy Reid during training camp week or during a preseason week or, or during more kind of a cool-down week is different than Andy Reid during game week. I mean, I, I kind of expected this switch to flip a little bit. and We certainly saw it. I mean, you know, he does not – once you get to this season and you're dealing with a team like the Lions, you're dealing with games week in and week out, the last thing Andy Reid wants to be dealing with is a guy who's not there. And sometimes it's dealing with injuries, and he'll, he'll get a little cranky when we're you know talking about guys who are, who are day by day for extended periods of time. <laughs> but it, it's even worse, you know, when it's a player who just chooses not to be there. And I don't think there's anything, any doubt that once you got to the regular season, Andy Reid's tone was always going to change. I mean, he tried to be, I think, fairly diplomatic and understanding during preseason because that's what it is. It's training camp. It's it is, for lack of a better word, practice that we're talking about here, Sterling. We're talking about practice. Um, but now it's real. Now we're talking about games. We're talking about games practice. We're talking about games for real here, Sterling. And to any rate, that's different. And so I think you, you absolutely saw the switch, the flip switch a little bit. And gosh, I am just inverting all of my syllables today, Sterling. I don't know. I, I guess it's because it's a holiday and I'm just not putting in much of an effort. But You're, you're, you're phoning <laughs> it in, man. It's a holiday. You've had like seven I'm rum and pineapples the, right now. Switching the flips. I don't know what I'm doing. You've had a couple Mai Tais. You're by oh, the pool. Man. I know you told me you're, by, you're, you're in your car. Yeah, you're in your car driving to the pool, driving to the lake. I get it, Matt. I am sitting in my car staring at the University of Kansas Health System Sports Medicine and Performance Center right next to a porta toilet. So that tells you where I am. Uh-huh. I'm sure Christopher Cross is playing in the background, too, right like the wind. You have some yacht rock going. I know you, Matt. I know how you operate. Uh, There's a pretty good chance that if I were outside my car, I would be hearing a little bit of the music from Chiefs practice, which you never know. It's either some, it's either some hip-hop, R&B, or, you know, 90s rock. You never, you never know. You never know when Creed is getting thrown into the equation there. Uh, how did practice go today? Anything stand out? Uh, really, the portion that we saw was pretty standard. I mean, one of the most amazing thing is that this team has everybody out there right now. I mean, obviously, Chris Jones, the asterisk. Um, but they seem to be in really good health. There's nobody sitting out. Everybody was, was ready to go. I mean, there's a pretty good chance when this injury report comes out later today, there might not be anybody on it. I mean, there there could be some guys that are just listed as you know full participants and they've got an injury tag on them. But um, there's a reasonable chance that it might just be a clean injury report. I mean, we'll see. Um, but you know, and, and and nothing really surprised. I mean, you know, the only thing if you want to start you know picking through things, you know, I, I put up a, a video of the receivers going through drills and. And if you want to look at the order of the receivers who are going through those drills and make some conclusions, you certainly can. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of surprises as who you're going to expect starting on Thursday night. Um, it's, I think this team has obviously got its lineup pretty well set, and they're pretty healthy, too. When it comes to the pecking order at wide receiver, with seven wide receivers on the 53, how do you think this plays out? How many guys will be active on game day? Will it be all seven? Will it be five? Will it be six? What does the pecking order look like? Is it going to be a heavy dose of MVS and Sky Moore with a sprinkling of Kadarius Tony if he is healthy? Will Richie James have a larger role? I know Richie James uh, is going to be the punt and kick retor- uh, punt and kick returner, according to Dave Tobe. How do you see this playing out? Yeah, that's really curious uh, to me. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out because keeping seven receivers active on game day um, is insane. I mean, that's not that's not something that most teams do, and certainly nothing that Andy Reid team has ever done. Six is pretty ridiculous. I mean, most teams don't even do that. So you would think, I mean, five at the minimum, sure. I'll, I'll, I know there's going to be five. Could there be a six? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, but I also think it could be a different six every week. But then you get into it, okay, well, you know Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore are starters. Kadarius Tony, healthy, he is a starter. And probably if he can play this week and be in a few packages, he's going to play. Um, Justin Watson is the backup at every single position. He's going to play. Richie James, the kick returner, punt returner, he will play. There's five. So now you're down to your six. Is it your second round draft pick or is it Justin Ross? And, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs made different decisions every single week. But I, I think as a Chiefs fan, you're going to have to be prepared for one or the other. And I think there's probably going to be a certain amount of shock and outrage depending on which one of those guys is, is inactive. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for Twitter to be just an absolute cesspool of annoyance at whichever wide receiver is not on the active game day roster. It's going to be phenomenal to watch. I will also point out what a great spot the Chiefs are in as far as youth, depth, uh, draft capital, control, not a ton of money sunk in at wide receiver, yet there's everyone that bringing, or everyone is bringing something to the table. When you look at the Chiefs wide receiver room from, let's go back to uh, 2012, Chiefs didn't have that that, that sort of uh, nuance at wide receiver. It seemed like uh, they could use a few of these guys. So I think even with one of these guys, or even potentially two of these guys, not being on the active game day roster, I think people need to calm down and say, hey, you know what, that actually is a good thing that Chiefs have that much depth at one position. They've got that much depth, and I, I, I think, you know, and interesting, you know, you go back, I mean, I think, well, it was 2014 when the Chiefs didn't have a single receiver catch a touchdown. Um, that's not going to happen with this group. And it's certainly probably never going to happen with Patrick Mahomes, period. But uh, that's, that might not happen in the NFL again. I don't, I don't care if it's, if, well, if, if it's Brian oh, yeah. Hoyer. That is very true. It may never happen again or even close to it, but certainly not when you got Mahomes and, and his ability to clearly at this point in his career elevate the, the guys that are around him. I mean, that's one of the things that I, th- I think you just have to take into consideration is that, you know, th- this does look like a talented group. Um, but it's hard to, uh, to me, it's almost hard to tell how talented they are because everybody looks good when they've got Patrick Mahomes thrown in the football. <laughs> So, I mean, that makes it, to me, really hard to judge about, you know, how good these guys really are. When it comes to the running back position, again, Matt Derrick is joining us right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We know Isaiah Pacheco is the one, but he really had that non-contact jersey on for a while. What does his workload look like week one? Jarek McKinnon, we know how electric he can be with the ball in his hands, but he feels more like a third down back. And, And let's be real, the Chiefs almost like to hold him back for the stretch run of the regular season into the playoffs, and then you have the what everyone feels like the odd man out, one of the most uh, hated on dudes in Kansas City at times seemingly for no reason in Clyde Edwards Alaire. How do you see this breakdown happening? Yeah, I mean, and the Chiefs had the luxury, I mean, with the way that that roster and that room is built, I mean, they can have all three of those guys active on game day. I mean, you're certainly, I think, going to. I mean, I, and I wouldn't even be surprised if there's on occasion that they're elevating somebody from the practice squad, but when you're completely healthy, I don't think there's any reason for that quite yet. But they've got some depth at that position, too. Um, but you're right. I mean, Pacheco coming off the injury, is he a guy that you want to give a full workload to? I, I would expect they're going to try and back off him a little bit. Um, not that I think he couldn't handle 16 to 20 touches a game right now, but I, I wouldn't be surprised because he only got the one touch in a preseason game. And, and he probably could have handled contact in, in, in practice earlier, but they were really just trying to protect him from himself because Jack was one of those guys that he's not going to avoid contact in a spring training camp, in a training camp practice. He's still going to be looking, you know, to try and bust up dudes. So they were really just trying to protect them from re-injuring himself and having any setbacks. So I, I get no sense of concern that they need to watch him too much. But, you know, if anything, it's just they might need to build up his work and his rep load because that's what he really didn't get to do during the offseason and training camp. And with Clyde, I mean, you've got a guy who, when healthy, has been extremely productive. And right now, he's healthy. So I don't know why you wouldn't take advantage of that. And you're right. I mean, McKinnon is an older running back. You know, there's a, there's a lot of tread on those tires. Um, you really need to, you know, keep from wearing him down too much. And you're right. I mean, that's the guy that they feel like they really want in the second half of the season in the playoffs. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if you know he is exclusively a third down kind of guy early in the year, and they let uh, Pacheco and Clyde do most of the work. Uh, Matt, Derek, I, I got to give a little pushback. You said Clyde has been an extremely productive player when healthy. I'm gonna give you a chance to change that to fairly productive player. I'm gi- I will. I will go no lower than very productive. Man, when healthy, I, I get that. I will say I think he's better than a lot of fans think he is. But I can't go there. Matt, are you secretly an LSU alum? I didn't know this about you. I am not. But I am also of the philosophy that I'm not sure that Clyde has been fully healthy since maybe his rookie year. I will concur with that sentiment. I, but, you know, that's a big part of being a running back. you got to be healthy. You have no, to be healthy. There's no doubt. I mean, availability has been his, his, biggest, his biggest weakness. and. And that's why it's a big asterisk. I mean, because with his history, you have to ask yourself, I mean, is he going to be healthy all the time? Uh, I want to play a little fun game with you. A couple little quick hitters here before I let you go. Uh, The wide receiver that ends with the most yards for the Kansas City Chiefs this year is? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep it with a vet. I'm going to go with Marquez Valdez Scantling amongst the receivers. And that number is what? I'm going to go, I don't really have an exact number in mind, but I think he hit 700 this year. Which wide receiver gets left off the active game day roster the most? Who are you making mad? Who are you making mad, baby? (laughs) I am probably going to say Justin Ross. Mm. Mahomes goes for over under 52-50 yards. Man... Good question. I, I I think I may, because I have consistent concerns about the situation with Chris Jones and the Chiefs might get themselves in a bit more shootouts than they want, I think I'm going to have to go over. Mm. Pacheco, over under 925 yards rushing. Man, you are really just hitting it with the over and unders here today. You're giving me some tough decisions. I'm trying. Well, what, what, what am I going to say? 1,500 yards? Or 500? Come on. I, I'm i a betting man over here, Derek. Come on, you know this about yeah, me. I know. I mean, I, I, this is unpopular take here, but I will I will say under. I mean, even though I, I think there's I, – I really want to take the over. I think the safer bet is the under because the Chiefs have got some guys that can spell him. They might protect him a little bit in the season. And, and it also has been five years, six years, since this team has had a 1,000-yard running back. So mm-hmm. until they do – Show me. I will. I will take the under. All right. Here's a hard one. Th- those were easy, Matt. This is a hard one. Who leads the Chiefs in sacks this year? Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, I I think I have to just just based on the concerns about when and if Chris Jones is going to play, I have to I have to go with somebody else in the field. And if that's the case, I mean, I think it's George Karloftis. Mm. Yeah, I'm going Karloftis, too. Uh, Chris Jones is back what week? Man, I, I, I mean, you're, you're assuming he's going to be back, Sterling. Well, you can say, you could say not. You gotta, you that, gotta, that's a you possibility. Take that possibility. It's in there. If I say what week is he coming back, you could say not a week. Like, you could say never, next year. I mean, I've, I'm not, I haven't taken anybody at face value in this entire process going back to March. When even when the Chiefs said that they were optimistic that something was going to get done, I, I wasn't completely optimistic that something was going to get done. Um, but I, I will, for lack of no better other reason than that, only one person has gone out there and put anything to it, and that was Chris Jones himself saying, "Week eight, boom." Man, I don't like that. I don't understand how this behooves Chris Jones. I don't understand why he would lose all that money. You're not seeing that money back. We saw Le'Veon Bell try this. I get it, running back versus interior defensive lineman. I understand all this. I just don't see the value. I don't get what his his um, I don't get his angle. I should say at this point, his angle is hopefully the Chiefs lose. I guess, and he comes back as the savior. He makes the defense all better. Uh, I guess that's my final question is, what is, the, what is the angle? If Chris Jones is to sit out that long, if that is his only point, he's losing all that money, realistically money that he will not see ever again, where is his angle coming from? Yeah, that's what's really hard. I mean, with the, you know, the, the limited leaks that we've got, and obviously we had the, the, the somewhat 
I don't know what to call the report that came out on Saturday, but it was a report of some sort. Uh, I mean, we still don't really know where both sides are. But if, if this is truly as it appears coming down to simply the amount of guaranteed money, I mean, I, I don't really know how, how this gets resolved because if, if the implication is that Chris Jones wants significantly more guaranteed money than either Aaron Donald or Quentin Williams got, I mean, that's, that's the deal breaker. I mean, it's, I, I don't think this, this is a deal coming down to a few hundred million, you know, a few million dollars per year. It's coming down to the, the tens of millions guaranteed over the contract. And, you know, I mean, you look at the numbers that were put out over the weekend, if you took that at face value, which I don't necessarily, I mean, the Chiefs were offering in line a, a guaranteed money ballpark of what other guys in the league are getting. And I don't know if you can get much more than that. I mean, I, that's, if, if that's where truly the holdup is, then, you know, we're not talking about $2 million a year. We're talking about, you know, the, you know tens of millions guaranteed up front. And, and if you're that far apart, I just don't know how you get it resolved without one side or the other giving in. Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. Make sure you go to ChiefsDigest.com. Matt, I hope you have a great Labor Day. Hopefully you don't have a whole bunch of work left. Maybe you get to go, crush a Corona, have a nice little Mai Tai, and just relax. Always appreciate you, my man. I appreciate you too, Sterling. I am now going to go sweat it back out to walk back in and finish my Chris Oladokun story for you all. And then I might go home and have some tuna salad. Uh, that sounds miserable. Man, I, I'm sorry. Uh, tuna salad just sounds like an absolute disaster. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're having that, though, and I'm glad you're excited about that. So good for you on a hot day, a nice tuna salad. Matt Derrick, Chiefs Digest. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. You just had to play Creed, didn't you? After I mentioned Creed with Matt Derrick, you just had to play some Creed. Some Scott Stapp. With arms what all paw. Speaking of with arms what all paw, Detroit Lions defensive end Isaiah Bugs probably won't have him open on week one as he's been told he is not playing against the Chiefs per Benjamin S. Raven, uh, the Detroit Lions beat writer. So don't know why um, the, the Detroit Lions defensive lineman, when asked, said it's nothing to address in the locker room, said he's been straightforward, said he was out sick on Saturday. He's not sure about week two, but uh, doesn't know if it's about the sickness or not. But it sounds like the Chiefs will be going up against the Lions without Isaiah Bugs on their D-line. Uh, appreciate you, Thomas, sending me that article. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, at HomestretchKC, feel free. I can, I'll hit on anything you guys want to talk about as well. Uh, we'll be joined by Daniel Harms at the 3 o'clock hour, talking Chiefs offensive line. Uh, he's a film analyst for RGR, so it's a great time talking with him, get a nice little deep dive as a Chiefs play the Detroit Lions on Thursday, but shout out Thomas on Twitter again. If you want to send me anything at HomestretchKC, uh, but Isaiah Bugs looks like he is out week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to lie, Kyle. When I was in Louisville on that golf trip, you know those memes where it's like, I bet he's out cheating on me? You know you know those, those memes on... They've got the little thought bubbles above their heads. The little thought bubbles? Yeah. And I was cracking up because I missed a call for my fiance. I just what I didn't hear. I didn't have my phone on me, um, and I was laughing. So when I called her back, I go, "Sorry, I didn't hear my phone ring." We were listening to Creed playing drinking games. Uh, we were all singing like Scott Stapp while whilst playing the game hockey. If any of you folks, you find folks listening, ever play the drinking game hockey? That brought back some memories for you. It's a fun game. Uh, but yeah, so that's what we did, and I was cracking up because I'm like, "That's what we were doing." Oh, were you going out in, in downtown Louisville? All, all the co-eds down there? No, we were in a house listening to Creed playing a drinking game. Yeah, it's funny when you get older. When you get older, I'm 29. Like I'm not that old, 
your priorities change so drastically. It goes from we're going out all night to I want to get a good night's sleep to I know we're, we're here for a golf trip and we don't ever get to really do this very often. A lot of these guys I see once a year. But when you get older, your priorities change from, all right, let's get after it, to, yeah, but you know, how will I feel on my bourbon trip at 10.30 in the morning? Will I be able to bounce back in time? When you're younger, you don't think about these things. I get older and I go, all right, but if I'm going to Old Forest in the morning, I want to make sure I'm, I can taste the bourbon. So you know you're getting old, man. Kyle, you'll, you'll get there. I'm not there yet. Yeah, I'm a responsible man, Kyle. I don't I don't often sing Creed with the boys. Well, you got to. I'm sure I will. I'll get there. You have to. Um, I want to touch a little bit more on Chris Jones and Andy Reid and this little story very quickly before we bring on Daniel Harms. Because, again, Andy Reid said he wasn't going to criticize Chris Jones. And, well, I don't know if this counts as a criticism... He did say, I don't know what his agenda is or when he's coming or not coming. Again, after talking with Matt Derrick, it's more along the lines of, he's not going to talk about it because he's not going to be there Thursday. He's not going to be playing in this game. For all accounts, he won't be, he won't be there. So Andy Reid wants to talk about the dudes who will be there. I get that. I understand that. But this is a... 300-pound question mark right now. This is a 15-and-a-half-sack question mark. This is a top three DPOY question mark. This is the pendulum, in my opinion, that swings the Chiefs' defense from a top 10 unit to a bottom 10 unit. So yeah, there are going to be questions. And I understand where Andy Reid is coming from. I understand where Chris Jones is coming from. I understand where the Chiefs and the front office is coming from. And I understand where the fans are coming from. But at this point where I'm currently at, I'm over it. It's next man up. I'm almost in the camp of Andy Reid. Who is practicing right now? Who was going to be there on Thursday? That is who we should care about. Do I want Chris Jones there? Yes. Do I want him to get paid? Yes. Do I want him to do what's best for him? Do I want the Chiefs to do what's best for them as well long term? Yes. But at some point, we got to worry about who's there. There's a game to be played on the field, not off the field. Not in the pocketbook, not in the checkbook. On Thursday, at Arrowhead, a banner will be raised. Rings will be given out. Mahomes will be throwing touchdowns. Whether Chris Jones is there or not at this point, doesn't matter. The Chiefs have a game. The Chiefs will have to get it done with who is currently there. We'll take a quick break. Come back. We'll be joined by Daniel Harms, film analyst of RGR Football. Sports Radio 810 WHB.